All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Strength Academy Podcast. I'm once again joined by Grayson. How's it going, everybody? And we are going to have a conversation about uh, building the mind of a weightlifting champion. And we kind of derived the subject from a book that uh, came out in the late 90s. It was written by Arthur Dreschler. Yep. And um, he was kind of like the definitive... uh, weightlifting encyclopedia guy before Greg Everett came along and wrote, you know, the his version of it. But uh he talks a lot about a, a bunch of different aspects in his book and one of the things that we really kind of latched on to was the idea of building the mind of a weightlifting champion. And um he addresses a few things in the in the book and we're going to talk about those and how you can apply them to your weightlifting and uh, your life in general because I think they have carryover to both aspects. So um, what did you want to bring up first, Grayson? Yeah, so um, like Mundo said, uh, this is Arthur Drexler's book, uh, The Encyclopedia of Weightlifting. I'm not sure if it's still in print, but you can find... Um, I first checked this book out of a public library uh, here in Albuquerque. So you can you can find it. It might be in your local library, or you might be able to find it on Amazon. Um, very, very thorough, well-indexed, uh, tons of cool training information. Um but I think the, the, the first thing that we wanted to kind of go over as far as mindset is uh, the idea of locus of control. So the I, basically it's when you do anything, are you viewing it as you having – like are you having an impact on the world or is the world having an impact on you? So an example that I saw that I thought was kind of a really clear one is – If you take a test in school, right, and you do really well on the test, uh, internal locus of control, an example of that would be saying, well, I studied very hard for this test, and I attended all of the lectures, so I got a good grade. Whereas an external locus of control would be saying, I got lucky and passed the test. And it looks at failures the same way. So if you have a bad competition, you can say, okay, if it's an internal, it was a failure to prepare adequately for the task that I was trying to do. And an external locus of control would be blaming, um, there was construction outside my window and I didn't sleep well or I didn't, you know, so, so assigning blame for your outcome, but it's also assigning, uh, outside things for success too. So it's not just a like kind of pessimistic thing. Right. It's that the good things that happen to you are lucky and the bad things that happen to you are unlucky, but you didn't have much control over those. So I think for weightlifting, it's very important to have an internal locus of control and, uh, you can kind of think of that as being aligned with like intrinsic motivation where you're motivated by an internal drive to do something. Right. Uh, because if you're looking for outside influences, it's going to be hard to find in weightlifting because no matter how many likes you actually get on Instagram, most people really don't care what you're lifting. Yeah, that's true. Um, (laughs) So if you're relying on an external thing to kind of give you feedback or information or like worth, then you're always going to fall short of where you could be, where if you have an internal drive 
um, and an internal locus of control where you're saying that I can change my actions to do what I want and I influence my outcomes and only I decide if I want to keep pursuing this. So it's, it's got to be important to you and you have to believe that you have some hand in changing those things. Yeah. And so the book, the way it describes that first principle is existence exists outside of your consciousness. And so what that means is that you can't just will something to happen. You know, you can't will the weather to change. You can't will um, the bar to lift itself. You have to put an action behind it to influence the world around you. And so that's what the internal locus of control focuses on is what action can you take to influence the world around you? Because the world isn't going to just cater to whatever you, you want out of thin air. There has to be some kind of effort and action put into it to create something um to straight you know accomplish a task or create you know create something so in the in the mind of a of a champion they see that wishing for something to happen isn't going to create the outcome that they want so they have to put time effort and and energy into creating the result that they want and 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 it is within your ability to do that it's within your ability to reason out a goal set it and put energy and effort behind it to accomplish it and that's how the world progresses that's how we move forward that's how you get stronger is you put action behind um your your will so but you have to recognize that if if you con- if you constantly look at things as like a game of luck and some some things in life are out of your control and that's definitely true so not everything's going to be you know how you want it to be even if you put the amount of effort that you need to but the reality is is that nothing can change unless you do something about it and so with with weightlifting specifically like if you want to get to a 100 kilo clean and jerk you're going to have to put some effort into making that happens so like it, it'll be a process that you go through and just wishing you're like oh i wish i could clean jerk 100 kilos that's never going to accomplish like lifting 100 kilos it's, it's just um it's kind of like i hate to say it but like thoughts and prayers a lot of the time like they don't really mean anything like people say them but they don't have a whole lot of weight like, action or weight behind them like what what if you want to show somebody something like that you care or you want to show that you're you know, trying to accomplish something, you have to have an action behind it, not just words. Yeah, so I think it's important to have uh, like first steps. So you have to, you know, you're essentially kind of doing, you're exerting your will to work towards, you know, manipulating the world to be what you want. And if you're... You know, that can start with a, I wish I could clean and jerk 100 kilos. But if you stop there and don't say, well, the first step is to get really good at clean and jerking 50 kilos. And then the next step is to do all of my strength work. And you have these kind of progressive, um, small steps that you're taking where you're not going to jump from your 50 kilo clean and jerk to your 100 kilo. But by taking that first step, and being like uh, a little more 
focused on the variables that you can control. Because yes, you can't clean and jerk 100 right now, but if you take the first step on doing your nutrition or your sleep or making it to practice more reliably, those first steps will build you there. And you have to be in the mindset that you can manipulate those things and that you can kind of make those incremental changes to get you closer to that goal. Because you're never going to accidentally put 50 kilos on your total. It's not going to happen. Right. You yeah. have to be intentional and you have to exert your will to make that sort of thing happen. Um, so in order to do that, though, you have to, you know, kind of reframe the way that you're thinking about not just your training, but I think you have to carry that kind of mindset into everything that you do, where if, you know, you need to be on time for something, you don't just hope that traffic is good so you aren't late. You leave 15 minutes early. You take the step to ensure that what you want to happen, getting to the movie on time, is going to happen because you took that first step to make what you want kind of manifest itself rather than just hoping that you don't get caught in traffic and miss all your favorite previews or whatever you're doing. Yeah. I'm mixing in analogies. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think that that's really important. And uh, in order to really utilize that kind of uh, internal locus of control, I think that uh, the next thing we should talk about is the difference between self-esteem and self-efficacy. So a lot of times when we hear people talk about their self-worth, they're mainly talking about like the self-esteem side of things. Emotionally, how do you feel about your value as a human? Like, are you a good person or a bad person? You know, people are really hard on themselves just from kind of a outside standpoint or people have crazy amounts of self-esteem and they can do no wrong, you know? So that's not what I think is really important for lifting. Uh, so self-efficacy, on the other hand, is your confidence in yourself to accomplish difficult tasks and overcome challenges. And in order to have an effective internal locus of control where you believe that you're in control of what happens, you have to also be confident in your ability to overcome the obstacles that are in the path there. So you can't just think I'm a really great person and I wish I could clean and jerk a hundred and just hope that it happens. You have to say, I can do this and I'm confident in my ability to overcome the challenges that will get me to that end process. Um, so you can build your self-efficacy in a number of ways, but the, the best ways through success experience so setting small um, easily achievable goals can build on your experiences and if you said and this is kind of uh, you know if you look at what Jordan Peterson's arguments are in kind of 12 rules for life where like his first rule is just make your bed in the morning and clean your room mm -hmm. But by setting, but if you're having a really hard time getting going, having a, I did something productive right off the bat today is a small win and small wins build 
to bigger and bigger wins. So if you kind of lack confidence, you have to give yourself these kind of small victories and things that you can be doing to increase your belief in yourself that you can overcome challenges. So you have to start by giving yourself challenges to overcome. Yeah. Well, so I want to I want to kind of clarify something when it comes to self-efficacy and self-esteem and that's that you are you are wired to win. And so one of the other principles in the book is that um, we are adapted to thrive in the environment that we're in right now. So that's why humans are at the top of the we're at the top of the chain. Like that's why we're we're getting more technologically advanced. We're we're gaining you know ground in all these different areas of, of medicine and science and things like that because like we're we're thriving in our in our environment and we're growing the populations growing things like that. So we're wired to win. And when when I say that, that means you can be wired to win in a bad way too. So you have to pick goals and process goals and and things that help set up that self-efficacy in a positive way that are going to create something that's um, a, a good effectual change for you. Because you can be really effective at choosing bad people for relationships and and win every time and wonder why it never works out. Because you're wired to win. You're wired to win to pick those things out to win in that situation. And that situation just happens to be that you're bad at picking you know, a bad relationship. Or if you have bad eating habits, like you're wiring yourself to win at sabotaging your the way you diet and your eating habits so you can you can win and still be you know have some self-efficacy in a bad way so you need to be able to build that process in a good way so and what Grayson was talking about like with small wins like making your bed and doing things like that so if we're talking about weightlifting you know warming up properly taking jumps that are conducive to hitting lifts in a with good technique and good form and making each rep count, those are building self-efficacy in a good way. But if you jump 40 kilos from your starting from the barbell and then you, you make a 40 kilo jump and then another 40 kilo jump and then 50 kilo jump, like, yeah, you're winning. You can still hit lifts that way, but you're not setting yourself up in a good, in a good productive way. Like you're setting yourself up for potentially like you're, you're going to have, more misses than makes and you don't want to have that you want to have a good progression from start to finish of hitting weights where you need to hit them in the way that you need to hit them with good technique and and with you know solid form and stuff like that so like i think that yeah self-efficacy and self like that that self-esteem are tied together but you also need to be building them in a way that that is a good win not necessarily just a win but a good win yeah because i think you know if you um, if we're kind of using using the word game in this way, if you're kind of playing the game of your self-talk is the game of I never follow through on anything, right. and you're always giving yourself an out to do that, you're you're winning the game, but it's the you know play stupid games win stupid prizes right, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know if you're you know so you've got to kind of shift the the outlook, and I think that looking at um, lots of stuff as games is kind of a kind of a valuable way to look at things where it's you know you score points for your warm-up you know yeah. in training so your warm-up is worth I don't know 25 points you know 
did you get everything? Did you do all of the things that you know through your trial and error? Because we, we, we've all changed warm-ups. We've all done different things. But are you doing all of the things that you know in your trial and error result in you having a better workout? There's 25 points. Yeah. Then there's how are you approaching your weights when you start with the bar up through 70% before you get to your working sets? Are you doing them as clean and as crisp and as focused as you can? Are you doing, are you scoring your bonus points by pausing your overhead squats or pausing above the knee in the pole? Are you doing an extra rep if it felt off? All of those are worth bonus points. So say that's another 30 points, right? So you can kind of divvy up your workout into, did I stay focused between my working sets at 80%? There's more points if you were able to stay in the groove and keep the same rhythm. Did all your lifts look exactly the same? There's more points. Did you cool down at the end of your workout? There's extra points. So if you think of your training session as a game where you're trying to accumulate as many points as possible, and the more points you accumulate, the more progress you'll make. So I think that if you kind of look at it as like all of it matters, there's there. So if you, if you look at just the section of your workout, that's your four sets of doubles at 80%, that might only be 25 out of 100 points that the whole workout is worth. Yeah. Because if you were cutting your squats high and you rushed your warm up and you didn't cool down and you just went out and drank three beers, you lost a bunch of your recovery points after your workout. Right. So if you kind of think of it as a game, um, it really helps keep me in it because your just your working sets are a really minimal percentage. And if you extrapolate that out further, the time in the gym is really a small portion of the total points available for that day. Right. As far as how many points can I accumulate to move my total up? Yeah. And that's, so, and that's a game that, that you can win. And so like, when we're talking about these things, we're, we're talking about building a champion. And if it's your goal to be mediocre and just, you know, lift weights for fun, I mean, that's, that's probably not going to apply to you as much as somebody that says, I really want to be the best at this I, I, I can be. Like, I really want to go after it. And I'm not saying that it doesn't have any applicability to that, that prior person. Like, I think that you should be striving to be the best at whatever it is that you do, that whatever... It, Whatever you try to accomplish, you should try to accomplish it with your best effort. And I also, um, I'll, I'll push back a little on that. And I don't think that anybody really comes in with the conscious effort of, I'm going to be mediocre. I think that people might be self-deprecating mm-hmm. and make jokes about it. But I think inside, that person wants to achieve, like, I think if you... If you get into Olympic lifting, it takes a certain kind of person to think that doing something so complicated and hard is fun and like gratifying. Oh no! And I, I think agree. that um, everybody wants the highest degree of mastery that they can have. They want the most self improvement that they can get, and I think that a lot of times when you see people joking about like, uh, I mean, I'm just a terrible lifter, but 
it's fun, so it's okay. I think that they're trying to be self-deprecating and sell themselves short because it's scary to admit that you want to be a true master of your craft. And that's not to say that mastery is going to the Olympics. Right. Not everybody gets to do that. Right. But saying, I want to I want to have good technique and good flexibility and I want to be as strong as I can and have a process of becoming who I am and through the sport. And I think that uh, a lot of times that self-deprecation or joking and calling yourself a mediocre lifter is trying to soften the it's scary when you admit that you want something that badly right but that this and it goes back to that principle that we talked about where you're the world is set up for your what does he say exactly i think the words that he adds are He basically says that we're we're set up in a way that the world is allowing us to to win. So it doesn't mean that like oh, it's it's the notion that existence is benevolent toward humankind. And it doesn't mean that like you're you're obviously going to get everything that you want all the time, but it's a matter of you have to believe that the world isn't against you either. So for instance, like weightlifting is a tough sport. It, it requires, um, a lot of different things from you. But I think that one of the most things that it requires is courage because it takes courage to put a lot of weight over your head and keep it there and hold it there. And hurling that, you know, at blind at blinding speed over your head and catching it in the right place at just the right time, it requires a lot of focus and, and time and effort and practice. And what I'm saying is that if you're going to be mediocre at something, it shouldn't be weightlifting. Like, it should be something that you dedicate, like, at any other sport you would have to give so much for it. But weightlifting doesn't really require that much time in relation to some of the other sports that people play. You spend maybe three hours in the gym from warm-up to finish, stretching and all that, and then the rest of it's just outside, the way you eat, how you recover, and things like that. And it's within your ability to be great at it. Maybe not an Olympian, maybe not the world champion, but you can be, you can have a level of mastery that a lot of people wouldn't you know obtain in other types of sports because people can weightlift well into their 80s that's why we have a masters division because people can still do it well into their their old age there's a lot of sports that you can't do that like there's no there's no continuation you retire and that's it like you got to find something else to do yeah i mean the 85 year old division of tie boxing uh, yeah. is 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 not a thing <laughs> yeah see um so, so but i think that's that's why um you know, mindset in training, you can um, essentially have a very, very long goal where your goal is to continually make improvement. 
And sure, if you're, you know, maintaining, if you started snatching and clean and jerking in your 20s, you're not going to continue to lift those same weights as you were at 60. But if your goal is to continue to improve your overhead squat position for years and years and years and then maintain your overhead squat position into your 70s, that's kind of, you know, like really long term. If you're using this as kind of a fitness modality where this is how you like to spend your time in the gym, it's lifetime mastery. Right. If you can maintain and, you know, do the things that you need to have a body capable of being in challenging positions, um, that's, you know, the, the long-term mindset I think is really important. Um, because none of it, like adaptation doesn't happen quickly. Right. It's a result of years of exposure to consistent overloading stressors that cause the adaptations in your body to, you know, increase flexibility or increase strength. Um, and I think that, you know, you've got to, got to have the process oriented um, versus like outcome oriented. So the thing is, is like, I know starting off, we're, we're talking about like building the mind of a weightlifting champion, right? The championship mindset. So that's obviously going to be different from somebody that just wants to do it for longevity purposes. So like when, when people are out, if they're listening and they want to be a champion, they want to be the best weightlifter that they can be. They have to do the things that are required of a champion. And that means a full dedication, a full, a full effort. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the things that, that you were to require of a champion are different than somebody that is just in it because they're using it as a fitness modality. And I'm not discounting those people. Those people are important too, because those people help inspire others to, to do the same thing. I'm just saying like, if you want to be a champion, you have to develop a mindset that is different from the people that are just there because they want to stay fit or they want to just, you know, um, do some barbell stuff a couple times a week. Like I'm, if, if we wanted to turn one of our athletes from where they're at now into a Pan Am champion or into an Olympic champion, like what would they need to get there? And that's what I'm saying. Like I, and, and it would apply even if you, it, you, it wasn't weightlifting related. What would you need to do to be successful outside of, of weightlifting? Like it's not, it's not the, I'll just do it a couple times a week. Like if I wanted to, to play guitar in a band, I wouldn't just pick up my guitar like once a week on, on Sunday, like I usually do. That's usually the only time I play is on Sunday, but I also don't play in a band and I'm not, I don't have any aspirations to, but if it was my goal to play in a band, I would need to pick it up more than once a week. Like that, that's the difference is like, I'm talking about if you want to be a champion, if you want to be a champion weightlifter, if you want to be, um, if you want to win and sit on the po- stand on the podium and have a medal around your neck, you're going to have to adopt a mindset that is conducive to helping you build these, um, these habits that are going to get you there. So like, okay, I, 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 I see, the, I see, I see the difference yeah, that you're saying. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not saying that the, the, a mediocre weightlifter is bad. I'm just saying that's different than somebody that needs the focus of a champion that, that wants to be the best possible version of themselves as a weightlifter that they can be or anything else for that matter. Yeah. So I think, uh, to, to clarify, um, a little further. So what I was kind of thinking is, uh, 
as far as the idea of mastery goes. And I think that's for everybody. Yeah. So everybody's trying to master their technique and hone themselves into the best that they can be. But if you are going the extra mile to saying, I want to compete internationally or be very highly ranked nationally and I want to really try to work my way up and see if I can get some medals at meets, that requires the pursuit of mastery but also requires a relentless drive to accomplish and a belief and a knowledge that you can do that and it's within your control whether or not you can get there. And I think that um, to take that idea of mastery to the next level, you just have to be really, really focused on what that goal is and kind of center every aspect of your life around accomplishing that goal. Yeah. And I think uh, that's what kind of separates a lot of us from the greats is that, you know, the greatest are, they won't train all week and go out and have four or five beers with their friends on Friday night because they know that that impairs muscle protein synthesis and you're going to have less response to the week's training if you go out and drink on the weekend. Yeah. You know, you're going to have that kind of drive that makes you restructure the way that you live in order to accomplish that goal. And I think that you really need those things to happen because you're not going to reach the pinnacle of the sport if you're not all in on all levels. Yeah. Um, and you see, you know, like the absolute best in the world in the very structured systems. Um, for instance, like the Chinese system, they're getting massage before and after every training session. They're eating food prepared for them by dietitians all the time. Yeah. They're doing structured exercise. They're going to sleep at a certain time. They're waking up at a certain time. And it's all very, very structured. And it's laid out for them within that system. But what gives us the added challenge is that we don't have that in place. Right. And it's up to you to kind of create your own system of recovery and stress management and fatigue management that will allow you to get to that level. And that's why, you know, you see as people get better and better, they tend to get more and more obsessed mm-hmm. um, where weightlifting really becomes the center of a lot of things. Right. Um, and all of your actions, all of those small steps and actions you're taking build towards the goal of being the best lifter you could possibly be. And I think that that is kind of the separation between those that, you know, are trying to be really competitive versus just mastery of the sport in the context of this is not my whole life. Right. Yeah. But I think that, you know, um, how do you feel about, going too far in though like do you feel like to get um your highest level of mastery do you need to have something outside of weightlifting to keep you sane 
or do you think that the best are really just all in? Because I've heard compelling arguments on both sides. Because if you're just focused on weightlifting, you might, like if you train and then you just go home and watch videos of your training or other people's training and just only, only, only ever think about weightlifting, do you think that there's um, essentially kind of a recovery detriment to that where you're never getting your mind off of it and having a true relaxation because you're always obsessing over what so-and-so was lifting or... Um... Well, so okay, so there's, there's a downside and obviously an upside to it. So a single-minded purpose is going to over overcome you know a diversified focus every single time like somebody that's single-minded in their purpose and what they're trying to accomplish is going to have so much more will and effort to put into something than somebody that's just like uh i'm kind of on the fence about it because they're all in and so that that weightlifter that is focused on you know doing the right things um in their training, in their recovery, and in, in their process, and the way they set their goals up, um, that single-mindedness of purpose is is absolutely vital to success at a high level. Because if you look at any person in history that's accomplished anything, it's always people with a single-minded purpose. I mean, if you even want to take it to like a fictional realm, you know, Thanos in in, in Avengers, he had a single-minded purpose. And he wasn't going to let anybody stop him from accomplishing what he needed to accomplish. And he did. So when you take that kind of person and and they have a single-minded purpose in how they're trying to get to a a place in their life, there's going to be some things that are imbalanced. There's going to be some some social uh, aspects of their life that are probably lacking. There's probably going to be some um, some things that not – not everybody has but because they don't live a balanced life but i think that's kind of necessary if you want to achieve something at at an elite level and the downside is that if that person breaks or something happens and they get injured and they can no longer continue they lose their identity they lose everything that they've invested themselves in is is almost gone depending on what happened you know like there's a lifter, his name was Tony Vega. Uh, he had a deformity on one hand, like I think he lost part of his hand. And the rules cle- clearly state you have to use two hands to snatch and clean and jerk. And he learned to do a modified snatch and clean and jerk and, and you know still accomplish great things with pretty much just one hand. And so, um, and then there's people like, uh, I think his name is Norbert Skamansky. He yeah, broke his so. back and then had a surgery and then broke it again and then had another surgery and then ended up becoming you know a gold medalist at the Olympics a bron- or a bronze medalist at the Olympics and then continued to go on to the Olympics after that. But like he was already 35 when that happened and people were like, you should just give up. But so that single-mindedness in, in his purpose allowed him to achieve what he wanted to and and it can help you achieve what you want it to, but you're just gonna have to realize that there's gonna be some things that you're not gonna have in your life. Like um, a lot of these musicians in the past, um, especially like jazz musicians, they wouldn't get into relationships because they would be on the road anyway all the time. Like, and they knew that 
it was a hindrance. Having a relationship was a, a hindrance to the mastery of their craft. So they knew that all this extraneous stuff in their life wasn't going to contribute to their goal. So they just didn't involve involve themselves in it. But the downside was is that they didn't have those things in their life. It wasn't balanced. So my argument is that if you want to be a champion, if you want to be somebody that is elite at anything, you're going to have to put some other things aside and you're going to have to set, you know, some priorities that are going to deprioritize other things in your life. And um, the only detriment is that you might look back and say, well, I missed out on some of this, this stuff. And if you can live with that, then, you know, that's fine. But if not, then maybe, you know, reevaluate what your priorities are. Yeah, and I think that, um, like, I think all of that's true in that, you know, you have to have as your underlying thing a kind of single-minded pursuit where that's what's important and everything really builds towards that. But I think that there's a point where the obsession can get to a detrimental point. So an important part of recovery from exercise is relaxation Mm -hmm. and if you're overly obsessive with your lifting you'll never fully relax so i think that along with that you need to have some sort of hobbies that you can engage in that don't um, conflict with your priority goals but allow you to get your mind off of them so if that's uh You know, you like learning how to cook new things and trying new recipes on the weekends. That's a distraction and a relaxation from being solely focused on weightlifting, but it's a side goal that can improve your lifting or at least is not detrimental to it. And it allows you to get your mind off of it and relax for a while. Maybe you like going to the movies every week and then you, you know... Your, your thing is once a week you go see a new movie and you get some popcorn and you hang out. And that's kind of one of those ways that you kind of get your mind off training for a little bit and relax because you are so single-mindedly focused that sometimes you need that kind of like, is it I play chess with so-and-so or mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering or whatever you're right. doing. Yeah. Um, but I think that making sure that those things are conducive because I think that One of the dangerous things is uh, when, I don't know how you feel about this, but like when a beginner or somebody new starts trying to be that all in, they might burn out before they reach their full potential. Right. So I think that you want to make sure that, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of like, you know, that have you seen trophy kids? Yeah. Um, so if you're taking your your 14-year-old athlete and putting all this pressure on them to be youth national champion and you have to do this and you have to go to bed early and you can't hang out with your friends and you're going to do this, that kid might be awesome when he's 18, but he's not going to be doing it when he's 25. And that's why I, I'm really big on like as you get further along and as you get more into it, then it requires more of your time and your focus. But I don't think that you need to start with that outlook. I think that you need to start with a, I'm going to do this and try to master the craft a little bit. And then 
oh, I kind of stopped making progress. All right, I'll start following a diet or I'll start going to bed earlier. And then as that goes on, you're like, okay, I'm getting a little better. Now I can see that I'm kind of moving in that direction and getting more and more dialed in the more advanced you get. I just don't want to leave people with the impression that if you're in your second year of lifting, you should drop out of school <laughs> yeah. and, and go full time. Yeah, you know? And, you know, we're not advocate, advocating for an all or nothing uh, situation. And so when we're, when we're talking about developing this, it, it's a process. And so what Grayson just mentioned is part of self-efficacy where like you're, you're initially interested and then you're like, oh, well, maybe I can get really good at this. And then so you adopt a new mechanism to get better. And that's maybe a change in diet. And then after that, you notice that you plateau. You're like, oh, well, maybe I need to adopt something else. So you adopt a better attitude toward recovery and, and the actual training itself. So then you start to adopt new ways of, of warming up and treating the workout like, you know, every lift matters and things like that. So the, over time, you start the self-efficacy builds up to a point where you're like, oh, I can get really good at this and I'm, I know how to. And, and all it requires is more um, focus and effort and determination on your part. So, and when, when somebody walks in the door, we don't, we don't immediately say, oh, well, this is definitely a weightlifting champion in the making. We don't ever say that because you don't know. And I don't think there's any way to tell until after they've been doing it for a while, or just like this person can really, you know, they really do have a lot of potential. And the thing is, is like everybody develops at different rates and they all have different obstacles in their own mindsets, in their own physical limitations, in their own genetics that are, they're going to have to overcome or work around. So we won't, we won't know right off the bat, like who's going to be really good at this and who's not. So up until the point where you tell us, Hey, I really want to take this seriously. I think I can be, you know, I think I can get here. Then, you know, we're just going to treat you like you kind of want to be in that level and just give you, you know, some pokes and prods and with the way you recover and the way you diet and just your mindset in general. But a lot of the time, like we won't know it's because like the way Americans are, we're, we're good at trying new things, but we're bad at sticking with them. Yes. And so weightlifting takes a long time to kind of develop seeing where the areas of improvement are what your mindset is toward it and like you can tell and i I came i come from a crossfit background so i can tell like which people are aren't going to stick with things and which ones are because i can tell like in the workout how soon they give up after it starts to like not feel great or it gets really difficult like when people start to get that oh i don't know i'll just wait the clock out type thing and so i have a good idea about like who's going to stick with it and who's not and, and the people that stick with it are the ones that are just like, oh, that was really hard. I really like this. And usually those people are the ones that stick around because weightlifting is difficult. It's difficult in the mental aspect, in the physical aspect. And so like the people that like and enjoy doing difficult things, those people are probably better suited over a long period of time to be developed into champions than somebody that comes in and is like, oh, I don't know. Squat's really heavy. Like it seems pretty hard to me. Well, and this like, and, and this kind of hesitant. Yeah, and this kind of ties into to um, I think I think we have um, two two more points that we'd like to kind of yeah. discuss a little bit. So this kind of ties into um, 
how you kind of talk to yourself during your workout and uh, the idea centered around complaining. And I, I'm going to make the argument. So he, in, in his uh, section, uh, chapter seven of weightlifting encyclopedia kind of talks about like discouraging complaining. Right. But I, I want to try to make a distinction between a dreading complaint and a joyous complaint, a joyous complaint. So uh, to me, cause, cause to me, I'll, I'll occasionally, I think that, you know, some of the ways that I talk is I love doing gnarly workouts. I like that feeling of breathlessness or like my legs are like jello and like you get kind of lightheaded and like things are just really crushingly heavy and really, really challenging. And I think that finishing a set of your last set of 10 in the squats and just like laughing as you say, oh my God, my legs hurt so bad. That was so awful. But you're like excited about it. And like, it's not awful. Like it ruined your day. Right. It's like, that was such a hard challenge and I made it through and I'm in a lot of pain, but it's fun. I think that's very different than, oh, I have to do back squats again. I hate back squats. Yeah. And I, and, and I just want to make that distinction because I think that there's, you can laugh at the fact that you can't walk down the stairs and that's technically complaining, but it's complaining in a like, isn't it funny that I worked out so hard that I can't sit down right? Isn't this great? I love it. You know, like, and I, I, I see, I mean, I see the difference. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, you can, you know, I think there's a difference between joking about like oh man, these squats almost killed me today versus I hate these squats and I don't want to do them, but I'm forcing myself to. You're always going to make better progress if you enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that one of the best ways is to, I mean, lie to yourself where you're like, I love this exercise. Right. Like, Whatever you're the worst at, whatever is the most challenging for you, start talking to yourself like you love it. Oh, I can't wait to do five rep cleans today. Yeah, and not be sarcastic about it. Like, we're not talking about, like, being sarcastic. Like, oh, back squats are my favorite. Yeah. No, we're not talking about that. But, like, like, really trying to make them your favorite. Find a way to enjoy that feeling because I, I really do like the feeling of working so hard in a set of squats that you're like, you know, you feel like a lot of pressure in your face and your legs are like, there's like the deep bone level soreness by your fourth set. Like that sort of stuff is kind of what keeps me coming back. Like I love that kind of challenge and I'm sure that it didn't start that way for me because I, really didn't like a lot of exercises yeah. for a long time. I think I just liked deadlifting and that was it. But, you know, if you kind of reframe like the challenge and the discomfort as a positive sign, so you look forward to it right? versus dreading it. Well, yeah, because like why why do anything that you don't enjoy doing? Like what's the point? And, and if we approach weightlifting or anything that way – like if you, your body shutting down and getting depressed is a form of it saying, Hey, we shouldn't do this anymore. This is not, this is not good for us. But like, 
as far as there's always going to be something that you might view as slogging, tough, routine type of work. But if you learn to enjoy those things, then you're not only keeping your motivation high in trying to continue and accomplish more things and make progress, but you're also increasing your own sense of well-being and happiness too, because you're not doing something you don't enjoy. You're doing something that you enjoy. Yeah. So like, and so I think that's the thing that kills me is just like when you complain about, oh, like I don't want to do five by five back squats because it's going to suck. Like you're already making it a negative experience and it's already, you're already talking to yourself in a way that's like, I don't want to do this. This is going to be hard. It's going to suck. And the workout just got harder because of that. Yeah. And you just made it harder. Like you mentally made it more tough for yourself. And like, I don't know about you, but like weightlifting is already struggling enough for me where like, I don't need any extra pressure on myself to make it harder. But like when I, I think sometimes when I see something tough in the workout, Especially when it comes to squats, because squats are something that I struggle with. I don't, I don't think my legs are very strong, but um, at the end of a squat session, like let's say it was a five by five, let's say on the last set of that last rep is like, oh, I'm gonna see if I could jerk this from behind the neck on a on a five by five back squat, not because um, I'm trying to show off, but I'm giving myself extra incentive and motivation to say like, I think I'm capable of more than just what's what's written down like i'm trying to give myself extra like motivation to make it fun to make it challenging but in a positive way you're saying like well i might make this jerk i might not let's find out so it's just a way to for me to motivate myself and i like doing things like that and and some people might take it as showing off but like i just want i just want to see if i can still put a bar over my head after five you know five 25 back squats well it's the idea of making it a game yeah the last set of your squat for you you like playing the game of can i push press this on my last rep of 10 you know um for me things that kind of keep me involved when i'm doing you know hard stuff is not just trying to get through it but for me like a lot of it is seeing if i can feel the movement so like can i really feel my hamstrings while I'm deadlifting? Can I be connected and so in tune with the movement that I can actually feel like if I focus on a particular muscle group, can I feel that muscle throughout the entire movement? Can I keep my attention on those little details? And it's really improved. Like, cause if you're doing deadlifts and you're not paying attention, you can start, you know, favoring one side. But if you're paying close attention, you can say, oh, weird, on that second rep, I pushed harder with my right than my left. Let me really see if I can feel the left side contributing equally to this. And that sort of uh, detail orientation or making it a game, um, you know, that idea of points, like every part of the workout is worth points and you're, you know, trying to accumulate as many points over the course of your workout as you can. um, Those sort of things can keep you motivated and kind of upbeat where it's like all right these squats are worth 25 points and my five by five and the way i can get all 25 points is by approaching the bar intentionally not making them look harder than they should not standing there exasperated (laughs) on the fourth rep not believing that you want to do the fifth but if i can maintain acceleration on all five reps and really work on trying to go fast through my sticking point and not just trying to 
stand up and finish the squats because they're on the paper. Right. But really trying to do the squats as best you can, that's the only way you get all 25 points. And if you're lazy on a rep and you just kind of do the bare minimum to get the bar up, you did the squat, but you didn't do it as hard as you possibly could or as well as you could. And I think that... Um, yeah, like what if you approached it as like, I need this lift to win the world championship. Like imagining it. Because like one of the illustrations he gives is about a swimmer who's swimming laps. And one way that he motivates himself is by saying that if he gets there in this split time, like he gets a kiss from this, this beautiful woman waiting at the other end of the pool. And so like for him, that was a motivator to increase his split times and to keep on a constant pace. But like if you're weightlifting, you know, what if you approached every lift even the warm-up lifts, even the 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 build-up sets, like oh, I I need this to to win this this medal, like this this is for the podium spot, like this is for this is for the gold, like maybe you're not really going for the gold, but in in a way you are, like you're you're going for it because like you're putting yourself in a visualization where this lift matters and it counts to where if I made this I could win, because what if it what if it did, you know what if it counted as a win. Yeah. You know, so like, I think, well, here's the thing. All right. So we're going to, we're probably going to wrap up in a few minutes, but so like the way we talk to ourselves and the way we, we approach things and that, that all, it matters across the board, not just in weightlifting, but just the way you talk to yourself in general, like how, how you deal with yourself and, and with your own thoughts and your own emotions and things like that. So like we've gone over the, you know, an internal focus of control, locus of control, um, and so I, I want all of you listening and, and even if somebody's not listening, maybe you can tell them about this, but like, I want everybody to have the mind of a champion. Like I want everybody in the gym to have a mind of champion. I want all my friends to have minds of champions. I want everybody that I deal with to have a, a mindset of a champion. And the problem is, is that I don't control other people. So as much as I want it, it's not going to happen because just like the, the book, says as far as like existence exists outside of your consciousness other people's consciousness exists outside of my consciousness so i don't control what other people do what they say what they think what they feel but if i can influence you just a little bit to adopt some of these principles and make yourself into a better weightlifter a better person you know that's just going to be something that increases the value of of every person in society because if everybody can learn to think in more positive ways and control the things that they control and and focus on developing themselves that just makes everything better that makes the gym better that makes the team better that makes us as coaches better and i just want i want everybody to kind of like be their best versions of themselves and that's my goal that's my hope that's but i'm also trying to put those things in action by giving people these these things to think about and i think that's what we're trying to accomplish with with, especially with this podcast yeah and i mean it all it all kind of comes down to uh you know that uh the idea of kind of will to power where um, the, you know, the idea of the will to power is essentially that what, why do you do the things that you do? And that the underlying drive for everybody is will to power. And that's not like exerting control over others, but it's a process of self mastery. Yeah. So if you're becoming who you are through the challenges, becoming who you are, um, and not pursuing happiness as an end, but pursuing betterment and, yeah. you know, be, like being your true self and 
uncovering who you are and weightlifting is our way of doing that where it's our self overcoming it's our process of mastery and that um is really satisfying on the psychological level because when you see that you're capable of more than you were two years ago yeah or you're capable of getting a new technique or you got that thing down that process of mastery and that process of becoming who you really are carries you over into the rest of your life where if, if I can if I can clean and jerk 140 I can file my taxes on time yeah, you know yeah, like you yeah. can do it sets you up with that mindset of I can accomplish anything right. and I think that um, that's part of the self-efficacy where if you look at the whole like scope of a person's whole life where weightlifting is maybe just a small subset weightlifting is giving you all of the small wins that builds up your belief that you can overcome challenges and that belief that you can overcome challenges and the idea that if you have a goal you do this and then it's another step and another step leading towards that spills out of that weightlifting section of your life and whether you want to be a champion and that weightlifting section is 70% of what you're doing or if it's 25% yeah. the repeated successes in weightlifting and building that process of mastery will start drifting over into how you're approaching your relationships, your own business, your own career, school, whatever. It all is the same set of skills, but weightlifting gives you a really, really reliable way to practice those things three to five days a week in and out and uh, really kind of sets you up to get that belief in yourself across the board. Yeah, And you can just see it when somebody's training, you know, especially young kids, by the time that somebody's in, you know, 14, 15 has been training for a couple of years they walk differently. Yeah, they you do. can just look at them and they yeah. look more confident. And that carries over really well into, you know, getting into the college you want, writing a good persuasive essay, believing that you can do whatever it is that you're setting out to do. And I think that those lessons can be taught really, really well through the barbell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the whole thing. So, yeah. so your mindset in training carries over to the rest of your life. And it's really important. <laughs> Well, I don't have anything else to add to that, but just to recap, um, remember that you can only control what you can control. What's within your within within your uh, what is within your control is your reason, your attitude, your uh, and, and how you your perceptions, what how you see things. Um, remember that how you talk to yourself matters, how you approach your training matters, and. Um, there's a whole, a whole bunch more things we can unpack and discuss, but we'll save that for another podcast, like goal setting, micro goals and macro goals and things like that. But, uh, I think that our mission has always been, and probably always will be is to make people strong in their minds and their bodies using a barbell. And, um, if we can help you with that, come see us. And if not, then hopefully listen to the podcast and, and get some tips and, uh, just know that, you know, you're capable of more than you think. Yeah, as always, guys, let us know what you think. We love getting feedback. Uh, Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, Five-star rating. Subscribe to the podcast if you can. Um, Feel free to send us an email, asaweightlifting at gmail.com. If you have any questions, any topics you'd like to hear, um, we'd really like to hear from you guys. So um, hit us up. All right, y'all. Until then, happy lifting.